Ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of THC True Hollywood Crime. I'm your host, Mariah. This is the other host, Bailey. It's me. And it is another episode. We swear. I swear to God. um, Hopefully, if you're listening to this one, it's because you just listened to episode 70. Um, But between episode 70 and 71, which is tonight's episode, the one you're currently listening to, we had major technical difficulties. And after... uh, our IT guy fixed them, which is Bailey's husband. He did such a great job. Thanks, Nick. Um, life just happened. We had fucking graduations and school recitals and so plays much. and Little League championships and all the fun end of the school year stuff that I'm sure if you are a parent, you know all about. Mm-hmm. Or I'm learning. Yeah. Well. I don't know why we I don't know why everybody puts everything at the end of the school year. It feels like so some dumb. of these things like plays and recitals we could have maybe knocked out a month ago or so. As a working parent going into this shit, none of it makes fucking sense. No, and some of them like um, my son Wyatt's when his play had a start time of like five o'clock on a Wednesday. And I'm like, OK. And like, how does that even benefit the teacher? Like, that can't be making their lives easier. Like, why did well, we Well, the school had a, their big spring recital at 6 o'clock that same night. So her thinking was, let's get one long, horribly boring night out of the way instead of splitting it up into two. I appreciate that. But okay. it's like most working parents I know can't make that 5 o'clock time. Nope. Luckily, my husband and I both have jobs where we're off by 4.30 so we can hustle and get it done. But... I feel like a lot of parents can't make that. Anyways, no, we're getting off track. Yeah. The point is, is now that things are back to normal, summer break has started. We have some breathing room. I'm going to edit both of these bad boys and I'm going to drop them. Episode 70, episode 71 are going to be released back to back. If you're listening to episode 71, hi, welcome. Can you do me a favor? Yeah. Can we drop those back to back and also drop the unreleased look of the week? That never got published on Instagram. Which one is that? The thing I was the nun, the Magdalene Laundries. I don't think you ever did a post of the look of the week. Really? Mm-hmm. We we were gonna save it like in an episode, like keep an eye out. Oh, because I like forgot it. Uh huh. It was one sure. of, again one of those weeks where it was like just didn't have it in me. Couldn't possibly put a post on Instagram. Oh wow. Uh huh. All right, sure. Yeah. I gotta scroll through my gallery and find it. Anyways, how's your week going, Bailey? Oh, the worst. <laughs> Dude, these weeks have been so fucking bad. <laughs> this is the worst. I feel it. And by the way, I feel like every time we podcast, all we do is talk about how like, <laughs> terrible everything's so bad, been. though. Oh, my God. Like, I really am reaching with my week's worth of yeah. news for us because between all the shootings, the school the hospital, the church, you name it. Maybe that's why I feel so down lately. Maybe Literally. it's just like too much <laughs> people, horrific things happening. People cannot stop shooting each other. It's absolutely terrifying. And then Kravis vomited on the news for a straight week. Yeah. You could not look at anything. Without or having- if it wasn't Kravis, it was goddamn Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Right. So news has just been awful our lives have just been awful no my life's my life has been good it's just been very busy to an overwhelming extent but it's the big push now it's summertime and i don't have to do anything in the morning for like nine weeks or something yeah that's because 
I don't have kids to get ready for school. I don't start my job until 10. Mm -hmm. So all I have to do really is get a Zoe to daycare. And that there's no timestamp on that. I can do that whenever I want. Yeah. Nothing changes for me. Nope. I'm still. You just get to do it all in hotter weather. Uh Uh-huh. But not tonight. Nope. Tonight. Oh, you guys. Oh, it's everything. Tonight is June 4th in Northern California. It should be. 112 degrees right now next friday it will be 105 but currently it is i'm looking right now at my little dealie on the computer it's 71 degrees Shut and raining 71 so degrees. it's one of those things where it probably says it's 71 but it also says partly sunny so this might be an old weather report that i'm looking at anyways um yeah it's nice and cool i bet you it's in the i bet you it's in the 60s right now yeah and it's raining, which is the more exciting thing. Oh and it's God. breezy. And B and I both have blankies on in the pod shed. 67. Ooh. It's so good. So, yes, this is a very weird start to our Northern California summer. But I am happy, despite all of that, that summer is here and I can breathe a little bit. I was super thankful because last weekend was the fair. Yep. And normally the fair is it's so hot. Disgusting. Mm-hmm. Right? Just so hot. And we were beyond comfortable and it ended up sprinkling on us that night too yeah incredible weird um nick and i and violet were on the news yeah our local news about the fair in the background nick being the biggest curmudgeon about anything ever his (laughs) always nasty ass face just eyeballing the guy so funny uh also in the news i can really relate to this guy Japanese man spends $15,000 on an ultra-realistic dog costume so he can live like an animal, deciding to give up being a human. Yeah, perfect. I can relate. God bless him. Right? It's a collie, too, right? Mm -hmm. It does look very real. Right. (laughs) I love to see this. Um, Winona Ryder returns. Bless you. In a new campaign for mark jacobs and this is like 22 years after she shoplifted from them yep so i love that what a comeback story get it winona florida woman performing sex act on driver nearly bites his penis off when they get into a head-on collision with a fedex van yeah my husband told me about that one i mean come on florida all the best news is coming out of florida always and this one made me think of you Ooh. Rats to the rescue. Yeah. Giant rodents are being trained to go into earthquake debris wearing backpacks with microphones to help survivors. I'm picturing you on your deathbed in this fucking giant in rat. In a pile of rubble. In a jacket trying to come save you and yeah. you dying of a heart attack. Yeah. Because this fucking rat's trying yeah. to come near you. Yeah, maybe it'll make us friends though. Maybe that'll be the big turning point. Look, here's the thing with rats. I get it. I get that they're very smart and I get that a pet rat can be very cute. I've seen lots of pictures of pet rats eating tiny pancakes and like I get it. But those wild rats, man, they really scare me and gross me out. I've even been known to like hold a rat or pet a rat if it's somebody's like domesticated pet. I don't want to do it for too long, but I can do it. Well, think about like cute pigs. Right. Versus gnarly pigs or boars exactly like the pigs in our avenues those are i'm not petting that pig Mm -hmm. that pig's gonna bite your arm off yeah that's a wild ass fucking meat pig Mm -hmm. yeah like a babe 
Yeah. A little domestic, cute little. And then even the ones near our house, even those ones, do I want to pet them and be around them if it's not a baby? No, but I'll still take that over like a wild boar. Yeah. But that's just it. So if you take one of those cute little babe pigs and release them into the wild. I know they'll turn into a boar. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Right. Grow the tusks and everything. Did you see the um, moose versus grizzly TikTok drama? No. It was a couple TikToks long because it happened right outside of a lodge. And so people were up on the second floor balcony recording. But uh, Mommy Moose, and I felt bad because she had, she had shed her antlers. So she didn't even have her antlers. She had just given birth to two mooses. And um, she was in the water, like, <clears throat> kind of recuperating. Mm-hmm. And the baby mooses were on the shore just laying there. And a fucking grizzly comes up, probably a male, because they're all hungry after hibernation and weird. He comes up. He starts stalking the baby mooses and the mommy moose is too weak to do anything. And he fucking snatches one baby moose and eats it. Oh, God, that poor mommy. And then he goes after the second baby moose and then she's had enough. And so she runs him down. And like the people filming it, when you like hear and see how fast those fucking animals are running. Yeah. That full-grown grizzly and full-grown moose. I mean, it's like crazy fast. You could probably like feel it on the ground. Yeah, too. and so, and she like ran him into um, into the lodge. He ran into like a fucking window, shattered the window, and then turned and ran down the street. Fuck. Yeah, crazy. but Go she, she, lost a, she lost a baby moose. Oh. I know, fucking grizzlies. Those male grizzlies are such dicks, dude. Right. Oh, look at this convenient little snack. No, because they'll even eat. Um, they'll eat. They'll eat cubs. I was watching a documentary where a mom grizzly was coming out of hibernation with her babies, and she was so hungry that she wasn't really like she can't really defend them that well. And the male grizzlies who are also hungry know that, and, and like, so well, they'll try to take out the cubs. Oh my god! Yeah, fuck you. So the mom just has to try her hardest to get them to like a feeding ground, like someplace with lots of salmon or whatever. Because once. The male grizzlies have another food option. They will take that food option. Yeah, I would hope so. But they will try to get to those cubs first. I know. Fucking awful dicks. Right. I mean, grizzlies are cool and all, but let's like. Calm down. Just a little bit. Like, come on. Go eat some berries. What the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) Anyways, that and um, happy platinum jubilee to literally the queen herself the queen i don't know what that means okay perfect platinum jubilee so every 10 years they celebrate a jubilee she's celebrating her platinum jubilee which is her 70th anniversary being the reigning queen of england wow making her the longest monarch in like western civilization's history there are people who believe that there's other cultures in the world um, who have had leaders for longer. But mm-hmm. as far as like written Western civilized history goes, she's the longest reigning monarch of all time. Okay. This is her 70th anniversary. She's 96 years old mm-hmm. and they are throwing her a 28 million pound or dollar party. Wow. Concerts, shit with the guys in the fuzzy hats, I did horses. see the pictures of Kate's kids mm-hmm. being over the top cute. Like, the youngest son like pulling funny faces yeah. and like 
it was the first time she met her newest granddaughter. And so, like, the kids were cute. I did see pictures of them. And yeah, it's a really big deal because Harry and Meghan stepped away about a year ago. Yeah. And so although they are not there on official royal business, it's still his grandma. Yeah. So they are doing some royal stuff. Nothing official because mm-hmm. anything official they're not part of part of because they retired. Mm-hmm. But they're there for the party and yeah. stuff, which is super fun. And this is I don't know why I take so much joy in this, but also in London right now is Kim and Pete. Uh huh. I saw that, and they denied her. They denied. So that's what they denied her for was the jubilee party. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Kim wanted an invite, and in the like, I thought she was just like trying to get into the palace. <laughs> no, no, no. She was trying to get an invite to one of the like exclusive like royal because they do a big concert, which yeah. I think anybody can buy a ticket to. But she wanted a an a invite VIP. to like one of the smaller. Mm-hmm. Like inner circle parties, and they're like, "No, who are you? Celebrities versus We're like, royalty. That's not- or even like real celebrities because mm-hmm. they the royals fuck with celebrities. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always like Elton John, right. or you know, yeah, 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 <laughs> Paul McCartney. Mm-hmm. It's not fucking sorry, Kim Kardashian and her boyfriend I, from Staten Island. I know. Oh my goodness. All right. Other than that, are we good to go? One follow up. Mm-hmm. From our last episode. Wait. Or episode 69. No, like the one. The one that we haven't done yet. 70. The one that they hopefully just listened to. <laughs> right. Perfect. What a fast follow up <laughs> then for them. Right. Because we were talking about Sandra Bullock. The queen. The other queen. how if she was going to get or no, if you had to pick speed or Miss Congeniality. Yeah. Right? If and you had to, if you could only keep one Sandra Bullock movie, right. what would it be? And you pick Miss Congeniality. And in my... No, I pick Speed because oh, I got to see Keanu, Keanu Reeves. Reeves. Yeah, yeah. And so me, drunk and high in that moment, I'm all like, hey, isn't that cop from Miss Congeniality, the guy who played the Richard Mar- Ramirez yes. Night Stalker? Yeah. And we couldn't remember. Yeah. God damn, am I stupid? Yep, I've said it's that for years. Fucking Lou Diamond Phillips. <laughs> Lou Diamond Phillips is obviously the guy who played Night Stalker versus the cop Benjamin Bratt. It's like they oh Benjamin Bratt. Yeah, I should have remembered. The, but look, if you look at those two pictures, like no. Lou Diamond Phillips could be his dad. Yeah, Benjamin like Bratt's his, younger. His uncle. <laughs> Benjamin Bratt. Um, but yeah, La Bamba was not in Miss Congeniality. <laughs> no, I think Benjamin Bratt used to be on some cop show that my mom really liked, though. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot it was Benjamin Bratt. He plays the dick. Yeah. He's like an asshole cop. Uh huh. But then they end up getting together in the end. It's the one. Oh, yeah, they do. That's their partner. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's been a long time since I watched Miss Congeniality. Yeah. I should really rewatch it. Well, so yeah, there you go. Hopefully you just listened to episode 70. Otherwise, you don't know what the fuck we're talking about. Yeah, they listened. Okay, so speaking of episode 70, first of all, our THC drinking game. You guys already know the rules. You've been here before. Take a drink, whatever you're drinking. Anytime we are not in the pod shed, we spill something. We mention a monk episode. We mention a past THC episode. We cheers or we mention a badass big sister. Yeah. Those are our game rules, so play along. Um, la- so episode 70, we were talking about the possibility that one of 
the alphabet killers, the suspects, could have been Mm -hmm. one of the hillside stranglers. So that leads us to, let's just do the hillside stranglers. And which one was it? Remind me, Angelo or Ken? Kenneth. Kenneth. Kenneth was the suspected possible ABC murderer and, and you they still did, don't know. And you do believe that he is a strong possibility. I believe we I ended. guess so. Yeah. I mean, honestly, at the end, they're all strong possibilities. Yeah. Um, They all look guilty. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I could see it for sure. And I, you know, there's some similarities that we'll talk about in this one. I also really liked the garage rapist for it. The one yeah. with the fire, the fireman's uniform, which was the only one they referenced at the end of my movie that made no, no sense, had nothing to do with the movie. Yeah. But in real life, he yeah. was also the one that ha- that owned a cat. Mm-hmm. He owned a white cat mm-hmm. and like the same similar colored car. So I really am leaning towards him, I think. OK. Unless, of course, it's been so long since we actually recorded the last episode and I'm mixing them all up, which is a possibility. Who knows? Yeah. Let's cheers. So we're going to. Oh, let's, well, let's do this. Let's, let's cheers. fucking cheers oh my with God. these concoctions of mine. Tonight we are drinking always a classic, which is vodka, wine, seltzer mix. But we are trying to get rid of these discussing seltzers that we talked about a couple episodes ago yeah so i've had the michelobes since mother's day oh my god right so longest any uh seltzers lasted in your house well then and then what did my fucking husband buy for memorial day the the buzz bomb or the oh really isn't that full of sugar they no we couldn't find the nutrition facts anywhere oh it's all sugar box or the can oh no you're talking about their buzzies whatever no because you when you say buzz bomb i'm thinking of those like the round the thing. round ones no. that are just sugar booze no, the things that my husband bought like, yeah, i think they're called buzzies okay whatever we still don't know what the fuck those are yeah i think we did use all of those but then i'm left with the truly tropical or whatever because he liked he liked the colors i'm like you never buy something because it's pretty you know it's gonna taste bad if it's pretty yeah and they do they taste tropical anything i don't like tropical skittles i don't like tropical fucking anything no so that's what we're left i don't even like tropical weather yeah and this flavor is supposed to be like what are you lime kiwi it tastes like green apple to me I have another taste. That's the flavor that I'm getting. Like a very artificial green apple. Yeah. Yeah. It's very like almost like sour apple pucker. And it's supposed to be kiwi lime. Fuck off. <laughs> With your organic essentials, Michelob. <laughs> no. But no. you know what's saving it for us? The wine. Yeah. The dark horse. Yeah. Always. Always dark horse. Always coming through. Dark horse. Fucking sponsor us. Mm-hmm. Let me talk about you every god damn episode of this podcast literally all right okay you ready i'm ready i don't even know what movie you watched i just told you to find a movie and let me know two wow Ah! one for each strangler all right i got everything from uh an article from our favorite all things interesting mark oliver i will say mark the article i read had lots of uh I don't know if typos, but like lots of um, like grammatical errors, which was interesting. Okay. Feels like whoever did his editing didn't uh, give it the right. Well, this isn't Wikipedia, bro. We expect better. Come on, Mark. Mm -hmm. Anyways, thanks for the article. Uh, And then an article on medium.com from Delaney Bartlett and, of course, Wikipedia. Yeah. Got to have our wiki. Mm -hmm. Which grammatical errors are okay on a wiki. Yeah. That's what it's for. (laughs) Kenneth 
Bianchi? Yeah. Okay. Kenneth Bianchi is born in May 1951 to an alcoholic sex worker who quickly gives him up for adoption. He's then adopted two weeks later by his parents, Nicholas and Francis Bianchi, who raised him in Rochester, New York. And from a fairly early age, he's a pretty troubled kid, although he does come from a very, you know, loving, stable family. Um, he's a compulsive liar. He goes into these like crazy fits of rage. He's easily triggered. He's a bedwetter, which, as we know, is always a bad sign. Yep. A lot of these like serial killers have a couple of things in common. And a lot of times it's like bedwetting. And then what's the other ones like harming animals and obviously hitting their head at some point. He gets worse and worse. He gets more into more trouble as he gets older. He starts stealing. Through all of this, he still ends up getting through high school. He marries his high school sweetheart, but she leaves him within the first year because he just can't get his shit together. Mm -hmm. So when he's 25, uh, his parents are like, that's enough. And they ship him off to California in January of 1976 to live in L.A. with his 41-year-old cousin, Angelo Bo... <laughs> Bueno? No. <laughs> Just Angelo. I don't know. B-U-O-N-O. Bueno. That's not how you spell bueno. No. But, you know. Bono. Angelo. Yeah. Bono. <laughs> they think that he's going to be a good influence on our troubled Kenneth because, you know, he's a grown man who's uh, owner of a successful upholstery business. Oh. He's real flashy. He's got some... They say he has money, but I think it's all a facade. We'll get yeah, into yeah. that in a minute. But he's got like jewelry and a car. You know, it like it doesn't, it doesn't take much. No. You know, what they did not know about Angelo is the fact that he has multiple divorces under his belt. Mm -hmm. That all of his wives have left him because he's an abusive piece of shit. Mm -hmm. He has an extensive criminal record, which includes assault and grand theft auto. And he pretty much hates women just in general. He's Whoa. kind of just a misogynistic piece of shit. Cool. Once. Oh, look, I wrote Alberto. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, this whole time in my notes, even though I know his name's Angelo, for some reason I keep writing Alberto and I have no idea why. And I thought I corrected them all, but nope. That's fun. I like it. Yeah. Anyways, um, Kenneth gets there and he. Learns that Angelo, who's a self-proclaimed ladies man, is only a ladies man if you count drugging and raping teenagers. What do they look like? Are they attractive? Hold on. Okay. And uh, beating and raping women to quote unquote put them in their place. Right. Because us women. God. Us dumb fucking broads. <laughs> what are we worth? What do they look like? Um, I don't know. What do they look like? They look like guys but like are they attractive <laughs> i mean they're in the 70s okay. is anybody attractive in the 70s because yeah. like in one movie... i know that i know that alberto is obviously alberto. oh god damn it <laughs> i know that um angelo why do i want to be alberto so badly <laughs> oh, no i'm not sure <laughs> i know <laughs> i know that angelo is um obviously older but he's also shorter and okay. he's got kind of like, they describe his hair as bushy. Yeah. And I don't know about Kenneth. Taller, apparently. Okay. Okay. Because I feel like in both movies, they made Kenneth more attractive. Than... Oh, I'm sure that's true. Okay. I mean, if nothing else, he's younger. Yeah. 
Okay. I mean, 25 is always going to be more attractive than 41. I don't know. I don't know. I, I like a daddy. I mean, me too. I'm married to one, uh, but. No, but I mean, like. Okay. I do not think Angela yeah, yeah, fits yeah. No, I know. That, that, that term. Mm-hmm. Daddy. I'm just. He is a self-proclaimed ladies' man. Oh, my so God. So I just, I needed to know. Another problem that Kenneth realizes is that uh, they're pretty hard off on money. Angelo is not as successful you as everyone thinks he is. Mm-hmm. They need to come up with some money, especially Kenneth. Kenneth is especially broke, in all fairness to Angelo. So Angelo comes up with this idea to make some money. They'll become pimps. Perfect. Especially they could uh, pimp out some like teenage runaways, you know, some sure. troubled young women who nobody would miss because of who they are in life. Yeah. Their first victims of this are these two teenage girls, Sabra Hanan and Becky Spears. They basically like lure them to Angelo's house with, you know, the promise of drugs and alcohol. They eventually lock them up and rape them. They also force them to sell their bodies and the men keep the money They beat them. They abuse them. All the fucking most horrible shit that you could do to a person. Eventually, both young girls, women escape. Oh, wow. So they get out of there. So all the while, like torturing them and raping them, they were still pimping them out. Yeah. So they would do that for themselves. But then they would. Yeah. Well, then yeah. Good on them for escaping. That makes sense. Okay. Yep, they got out of there. I'm not sure what happened to them afterwards. I know one of them, I think Becky ends up like testifying much later. Yeah. So. Awesome. Those were their first victims. Now they realize that they're going to need some new women to air quote work for them. Mm -hmm. They pay a sex worker named Deborah Noble for a copy of her trick list is what Mm -hmm. they call it. Basically. A list of like all of her regular customers or people who are, um, you know, just in general customers of sex workers down in L.A. She's like, yeah, sure. No problem. So her and her friend slash fellow sex worker Yolanda Washington go over to Angelo's house and basically sell them a fake list. They figure out pretty quickly that it's a fake list and hellbent on vengeance. They go out to find the women. They mm. find Yolanda first. Unfortunately for Yolanda, a witness actually sees two men in a car pull up to Yolanda, flash police a police badge mm-hmm. at her and mm-hmm. basically say that they need to talk to her. Then they handcuff her and quote unquote arrest her force her into the back of an unmarked two-tone car and drive away. Yeah. Yolanda's body is found left naked on a hillside near the Ventura Freeway on October 18th, 1977. She's been tied up and she has ligature marks on her neck, wrists, and legs. She's been violently raped and sodomized. But her body has been washed down clean, so there's actually no physical evidence. They have just left her on this hill, so it's very obvious that she was 
kind of dumped and they drove away. She wasn't murdered on the scene. Mm -hmm. They just left her on the side of the freeway. Mm -hmm. Which, again, leads us to very similar, if you remember from last episode, to the alphabet murders of how the bodies were just like dumped on the sides of freeways and just left, like just discarded. Right. Of course. This starts, this is pretty much their trademark. First of all, Angelo is the brains behind the operation. He's super meticulous. He's the one that's doing all the planning and making sure that they're not leaving any like evidence behind. And they are basically do this over and over and over again, where they especially like to target sex workers. They use their fake cop badge to like scare them into thinking that they're undercover cops Mm -hmm. and that they have to like, quote unquote, arrest them. And then they take their victims back to Angelo's upholstery shop where they rape and torture them, eventually strangling them and then leaving their bodies, usually on hillsides next to freeways, although some locations do differ. So besides how the bodies are being left, another couple things that remind me of the alphabet killer is definitely the idea of luring people in, luring women into the car under false pretenses. Like we had just talked about, there was the guy with his like firefighter uniform, but the fact that these guys are using like the fake police badge, girl, very similar. This is screaming Boston Strangler. Oh, going door to door, posing Mm -hmm, as somebody mm -hmm. else, the fucking sodomizing and horrific things to, to women. Yeah. Oh, just absolutely. I know. I was trying to make the tie of whether or not it could be the ABC killers, though. Oh, that's right. Because that makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) That's good, though. I'm glad that the Boston Strangler really stayed with you because I totally forgot he existed until you just brought it up. (laughs) But yeah, I remember the handyman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. All right. Yours makes way more sense. All right, Alberto. Let's do this. Okay. Within two weeks... Two more victims are found, the first being 15-year-old Judith Miller, who is a teen runaway who turned towards sex work to just support herself on the streets. Her body is found in like a pretty residential area, but she has the same ligature marks on her neck, wrists, and ankles as Yolanda did, and she has also been um, raped and strangled Mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. And actually, she was found by a homeowner who then covered her body with a tarp because it was time for it was school time. And so kids were walking by to go to school. And so he covered her body with a tarp. So the kids didn't have to see that on the way to school, which good on him. The second victim is 21 year old Lisa or Lisa Caston. She is a waitress and she is the first victim who is not a sex worker, a drug user or a runaway. She's last seen leaving her restaurant at night after closing up after her shift. She's the same as the others. They all are. Every victim has been bound, raped, and strangled. They all have ligature marks on their, at least on their wrists and ankles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of them also on their necks. And her body is dumped the same way on the side, on a hillside, next to a freeway. And the cops have zero evidence to go on at this point. Around and around we go. Now, around this same time, they attempt, Kenneth and Angelo, 
Attempt to kidnap 24-year-old Catherine Lore Baker, pretending to be cops again, asked uh-huh. to see her ID. She pulls it out. They see her name, and they see in her wallet a picture of her and her very famous father, who was a famous actor. He had Ooh. he had passed away by then, but he was like a big deal back in the day and realized that she would be too high profile of somebody to take. And so they literally just walk away. Oh, and she thought that was strange at the time. But then once all of the stuff, you know, all of this stuff starts coming out over and over and over again, she's one of their first big pieces of like credible yeah, yeah. evidence. Oh, God. I'm dying to know who it is. What do you mean? The old man that died. I can tell you. Yeah. It says her dad, Peter Lore, was one of the best character actors of all time. Even the horrible movies he made were made better because of Peter's acting. Oh, Sadly, though, Peter's personal life was sad and scary like some of his movies. Peter suffered from an addiction to morphine and spent much of the 1940s trying to get clean. It was there at a clinic that he met his third and final wife, Anne Marie. They were married in 1953. They had their child, Catherine. Kathy was nine years old when her parents separated. She was 11 when her dad died of a stroke. Yeah, Peter Lore. You never heard of him? He's the Austrian-Hungarian-American actor. <laughs> Began his stage career in Vienna. Hey, but he made bad movies better. So that's all we need to know. Apparently. And as I'm sure you know, he was famous for his was morphine he, addiction. <laughs> was he in an episode of Monk? <gasps> <laughs> no, but he was in some famous movie called M. Ooh, fancy. Right. As a child killer. Oh, okay. That's exciting. A film inspired by the Peter Curitan case. <gasps> well, I guess <laughs> is next this week's what, episode. Oh, I know who Peter Curitan is. It's the vampire of Dusseldorf. <laughs> Are we talking Harry Potter? Now? No, I'm talking. The vampire of Hufflepuff? Yeah. <laughs> well, we know what case we're doing in a couple weeks, guys. <laughs> we, and it is an old fucking movie you're going to have to watch. This shit came out in, um, oh, he was in Casablanca and the Maltese Falcon. Is that true? No way was he in all this. What's the Maltese Falcon? A very famous movie. Anyways. Okay. Let's see. When, when did M come out? 1931. Good luck. Oh my God. Amazing. (laughs) Incredible. So yeah, fa- daughter of famous Peter Lore. <laughs> Clearly, you know, you know, duh, My of bad. M fame. <laughs> so All right, stupid. Are you making fun of Peter Lore? No, I'm making fun of us. How, How do, I would never, I would never speak make fun poorly. Of, I would never Mr. make fun Lore. of Peter Lore. On November twentieth, nineteen seventy-seven, a nine-year-old boy is out. With his friends at the local, like, trash dump, kind of just looking for shit. You know, treasure hunting, if you will. For sure. When he sees what he believes are a couple mannequins on the top of, like, some old mattresses. Yep. So he climbs up the pile of dirty mattresses and finds out it's actually the body of two young girls. 12-year-old Dolores, a.k.a. Dolly Cepeda, and 14-year-old Sonja Johnson. They've been in the sun and the heat of L.A. for over a week. Oh. And so their skin is decaying off their bodies. They're covered in insects. But 
after the autopsy, it is clear that they have both been strangled oh, and right. raped. Mm-hmm. Later that same day, the body of Christina Weckler, 20-year-old Christina Weckler, is found by hikers out on a trail. Christina's death, besides having all the signs of everybody mm-hmm, else, mm-hmm. is extra disturbing because they find needle marks on her arm, but there's no other track marks to show that she would be using drugs. Yeah. And they discover upon the autopsy that she's actually been injected with household cleaning mm-hmm. products. And I believe they finally figured out that it was Windex that she was injected with. Oh, no. Don't do that to Windex. By the end of November, the body of 28-year-old aspiring actress Evelyn Jane King is found on the side of a hill on a freeway. She's been too badly decomposed to know whether or not she was raped or tortured. Oh she is God. definitely strangled. Wow. Now, the women in L.A. are freaking the fuck out yep and if you we, could imagine we've seen this repeated in history lapd finally starts a task force of about 30 different officers and detectives and they are out to find what the media has dubbed as the hillside strangler mm-hmm. they do have reason to believe that it's more than one person because of the way that the bodies have been left and where some of the bodies end up being found it just makes more sense for it to be two people. It would yeah. be too hard to pull off as a single person. For sure. Next, LAPD finds the body of 18-year-old Lauren Wagner. Same thing as everything else. However, she does have burn marks on her hands. Mm-hmm. She was a student who lived with her parents. And the night before the police found her body, she was supposed to be home and she never shows up. So in the morning when her parents get up, and discover that Lauren's not home, but her car is parked at a neighbor's house with the door open. They go over to the neighbor's house, her dad does, to question the woman that lives there. And the woman that lives there says that she saw Lauren be basically taken by two men the night before, that Lauren was trying to fight back and said that they wouldn't get away with this before they shoved her into the back of their car. And then she gives... um, the dad and eventually the police a description of Kenneth and Angelo. So they finally have something to go off of. Why she just stood there and did nothing? Who knows? Elderly? I don't know. Does it matter? Do you have to be uh, a certain age to call 911? Well, yeah. Oh, was 911 invented though? In the 70s? No, it's like a fairly recent invention. Oh, Anyways, you call the police department. Now, that takes us to 19-year-old Kimberly Martin, who is also a sex worker, but she's going to play it safe because of what's going on in L.A. So she joins like a call girl service, thinking that they would provide her some sort of protection going out to meet with Johns or Tricks. This call girl agency actually sends her out to a call that came from two men that was later traced back to some random payphone. She shows up and I believe it's at like an abandoned apartment. Her body is eventually found on December 14th. She's been she's nude. She's been strangled and she is the ninth victim of the Hillside Stranglers. Now, two months goes by. Nothing really happens. It's a little quiet until their final victim, Cindy 
Hudspeth is found in the trunk of her own car, which Ooh. has been pushed off a cliff. Oh, my goodness. Which, again, helped back up the fact that there's two of them because you need somebody to like. February 1978, Oof. the murders have just stopped abruptly because Kenneth has left L.A. Him and Angelo get into a big fight. Mm-hmm. And Kenneth is also obsessed with this woman named Kelly Boyd. Oh. So... Kelly moves to Washington and okay. I think uh, they fell in love. They never got married. I think they had a kid together, okay. something like that. Anyway, she moves to Washington. Kenneth and Angelo get into this big fight. Angelo loses it on him, kicks him out of California. Basically, sure. is like, you're going to get us caught. you got to get the fuck out. So with no other options, Kenneth follows the love of his life to Washington. Once he gets there, Kelly breaks up with his ass because he's probably a fucking weirdo. Who knows? Yeah. Although he lays low for a while, Kenneth cannot stop himself from killing. And on January 12th, 1979, he kidnaps and kills two students from Western Washington University. But without Angelo, the brains of the operation, he pretty much fucks it up. He's just super sloppy. He doesn't cover his tracks. He leaves a lot of evidence. And he... Literally kills these people exactly how they killed people in L.A. Yeah. So it doesn't take long for the police to put it together. Put it together. I can't remember how they like get on his trail, but they find him. They question him. They look at his driver's license and they see that it's a California driver's license. And they're like they threaten Kenneth with capital punishment. And he breaks down pretty quickly and gives up his cousin Angelo he Kenneth tries to like plead insanity and come up with all these like um, multiple personalities and tries to come up with all these disorders and nobody's fucking buying it. Yep. So it doesn't work. Kenneth pleads guilty to the Washington murders and five California murders. And he testifies against his partner in crime, Angelo, to avoid the death penalty and instead get six life sentences. There you go. Angelo pleads innocent to the whole fucking thing, but is found guilty of nine of the California murders and is sentenced to life without parole. Okay. Which it's pretty funny that Kenneth rolled on Angelo to get a lighter sentence and he ended up getting a stronger sentence than Angelo did. That is. At sentencing, and by the way, it's two different trials. And I don't know how long Kenneth's was, but Angelo's was the longest in U.S. history. Stop. It was like 10 years long or something crazy. Shut up. Yeah. It was a long one. He fought it. He fought it tooth and fucking nail. Wow. Okay. Huh. So at the sentencing, um, the judge was upset that neither person, neither strangler, got a death sentence. Uh And so he, the the judge said, quote, Angelo Bono and Kenneth Bianchi slowly squeezed out of their victims their last breath of air and their promise for a future life. And all for what? The momentary sadistic thrill of enjoying a brief perverted sexual satisfaction and venting of their hatred for women. If ever there was a case where the death penalty is appropriate, this is the case. Yeah, well, I don't disagree. Angelo ends up dying in prison in 2002 of, I don't know, make something up, heart failure. Sure. And Kenneth is still living out his sentence. 
he is still alive and he still petitions for parole. Where is he? California or Washington? He is. No. Yeah. Kenneth is in Washington. Yeah. So Kenneth is in Washington. He's still living out his sentence. He um, repeatedly requests parole and is denied every single time. There you go. The case of the Hillside Stranglers. What do you think? What pieces of shit? Fucking gross. The worst. The worst. The worst people on earth. Yeah. Do you think upon hearing their story that um, Kenneth could have been the alphabet killer? I don't think he's smart enough. (laughs) You took the words right out of my mouth. Upon retrospect, now that I've thought about it and heard my own story, yes, there are similarities in the fact that he's from Rochester where the murders take place. Big coincidence in the fact that he left Rochester after the murders were done. Big coincidence. But it's quite obvious from the Washington murders that he... That he couldn't do anything on it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. On his own like that. Mm-mm. So, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no, too. Perfect. Tell me about your two movies. I'm going to say no to them also. Perfect. Leo. Woo! Real winners. <laughs> Real fucking winners this week, guys. Our first movie from... 1989, (laughs) The Case of the Hillside Stranglers. Between October of 1977 and February of 1978, 10 young women were brutally tortured, violated, and murdered. Their stripped bodies were dumped on the hillside of northeast downtown LA. The city was in a state of shock. And the murders came to be known as the Hillside Stranglings. And then we see the views of downtown L.A. at night. Beautiful. Which immediately reminded me of Night Stalker. Richard Ramirez. Right. That we already talked about. And that was our episode 60. And I had to remember if we had done Richard Ramirez just because this whole thing was reminding me of Richard Ramirez. And I was like have we even done him? And then I thought of, I always remember if we've done stuff by your looks of the week. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, nope, I remember doing her look of the week where she looked like Richard Ramirez in in court. Yep. You know it. We see a sedan that is two-tone. It's like a white top, dark tone. And it's driving around town with some crazy ominous music. In the car is Angelo, played by someone is it Lou Diamond Phillips (laughs) if only and Ken played by Billy Zane shut up no in 1980 something it says 1989 oh I guess that makes sense because Titanic was like 97 yeah wow yeah it's November 19th 1977 Ken is knocking on a young woman's door claiming to work for police. He tells the woman that someone's broken into her car so he can convince her to come outside from her apartment. And the next thing we know, her dead body is being photographed by police as Sergeant Barb, not Barb, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) I like Barb better. Sergeant Bob Grogan. Arrives to the scene with his partner, Mike Hernandez, played by Tony Palana, 
who also Almeida an episode. Mr. Monk Shut goes up. to Mexico 2003. Shut bitch. Your stupid mouth. Yes, 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 cunt. Uh. Woo! Love it. Gosh. Love it so much. We're on like a three or four week streak uh, right now with Monk episodes. Streak, bitch. That's what's keeping us together right now. That's what's holding <laughs> us on to life. They have no leads other than they think it's two men because of the way that the body was placed on the hillside. During a briefing, we learned that this is the fifth body found in a nine day period. Golly, that's a lot. For real, though. So they're making the task force and it includes LAPD as well as Glendale officers. Yeah, that's true. Right. They note that it's unusual to have two killers working together. And immediately I think about Billy and still. <laughs> yeah. That didn't work out so great. No, it's very dysfunctional. Episode one. And then Otis Tool and Henry Lee Lucas. Episode mm-hmm. 65. Oh, yeah. That shit didn't work out so well either. Yeah. Right. So this random serial killing in, in pairs is... I mean, it's a lot. It's, it's not the best idea, boys. It's a lot of pressure. There are, in my case, very little similarities between the victims, different races, backgrounds, professions, ages. Sergeant Bob is a mess. Recently divorced, living in a broke-ass apartment, eating pickles out of a jar, drinking vodka out of styrofoam. Oh, uh, what's wrong with those things? I was, and literally, I'm like, he's he's kind of our people. Yeah, but I do a, both I'm, those things. I'm just saying, he's a mess, though. Like, yeah, I know. And I'm not judging. He's our people, but this is Sergeant Bob. We see Ken asking Angelo what the plan is for the night, and I need to ask you, because this happens in both movies, Angelo is, he has bunnies, no. In both movies, Angelo has pet rabbits, like in a cage. That never came up? No. So nothing I saw or have, because I didn't listen to a podcast for this episode, mm-hmm. but I've listened. I'm a true crime fan, mm-hmm. so I've listened to podcasts about the Hillside Strangler before. And nobody's ever mentioned bunnies, but of all people, Wikipedia did mention that one of the victims, um, like a like a fuzz mm-hmm. or like a fur or like something was like found on her body. And that's funny. And I didn't know what that meant. Mm-hmm. So I just like let it go. Interesting. But and then there was the cat hair and last. No, I know. But maybe that's yeah. what that is referring to is maybe like some bunny fur was on her. No, both movies. He has a rabbit. I mean, it must be true then. I thought it was so bizarre. Okay. Anyways. What's the plan for tonight? Right. And Angelo is telling Ken that he needs to cool it. The last girl felt too rushed. We need to be patient. Um, but the next thing we know, we see Angelo's got this table set out with all these different like torture devices, which was very a la dentist episode 63. Right. All the drills yeah. and everything. Your all time favorite. Right. Uh-huh. Ken assures Angelo, like, bro, you're the boss. Like, I think of you, you're my brother. We're not just cousins, right? Like, really boosts his ego. They follow a car, flash their fake badge, get the woman to pull over. 
She's parked. Ken instructs her to get out. She knows she hasn't done anything wrong, so she hesitates. And that forces him to attack her, causes a scene where we see an elderly woman watch as they drive away. This oh, is why yeah. I, mm-hmm, this is why I asked. She's kind of like peeking out her like kitchen window. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They drive her back to their place where Angelo takes her into a room and tells Ken me first, like slamming the door in his face. Gross. Sergeant Bob is trying to spend the day with his kids when he gets the call that another body's been found. Angelo apparently spotted the elderly woman that watched them drive away and managed to get her phone number. Okay. Right? Hollywood magic. They call and threaten her. Like, you better not fucking report us to police. She immediately hangs up on them, does call police. Oh, okay. And although it was dark outside and she has really bad eyesight, she can confirm that there are, in fact, two men and describe the car. Angelo and Ken watch the news as it's reported the city's lost faith in the police. They're taking things in their own hands. We see women taking self-defense classes. People are buying guns. Always. We've seen this in every fucking episode off yeah. the charts. People go through the list. Drink up. Gainesville, Ripper, Son of Sam. You name it. The th- shit that we put ourselves through to keep ourselves safe. And it doesn't even fucking work. No, doesn't matter. Because February 19th, 1978, Ken and Angelo get a new ride to match their cocky new attitude. And they try to take a girl in broad daylight, just waiting at a bus stop. But fortunately for this one, another woman nearby does see what's happening and comes to her defense. All right. We love it. Runs them off. And just like in episode number 41, Breathless in Beantown... There's a fucking psychic brought on to help find the connections. Any anything that relates to what might have really happened? Was Mm-mm. there a psychic? No one's ever brought yeah. a psychic. Okay. He can confirm it's two Italian brothers. Oh, perfect. Right. <laughs> Back to their normal routine that night. Ken and Angelo are pulling over another car, this time for speeding. Because, <laughs> you know, they're real police. The woman can tell from the How start. How do they pull him over without flashing lights? I know. They're just like out the car like, oh, pull over. People and listen like to flash that? their badge. <laughs> All right. I know. This woman can tell from the start, though. Something's off about these men. She noticed the car was unmarked. There's no radio. She starts crying enough to draw attention, forcing them to let her go. And nice. That reminds me of Mr. Laura's daughter. Yeah. Yeah. She goes to report everything to Sergeant Bob. He does ask, like, why did she pull over in the first place? And she's like, well, I was speeding. She's like, I had just broken up with somebody and I was emotional and I wasn't thinking straight. So I was going fast and I pulled over. He takes this as his opportunity to invite her for a drink. Oh, okay. (laughs) And, And we see them go for drinks at the bar and... That's weird. Yeah, they hook up. <laughs> All right. Unnecessary. <laughs> what a weird thing to put I'm in like there. Very professional, right? <laughs> uh, the next day, we see police pull up to Ken's apartment to ask him about his ex-girlfriend, which has nothing related to this last woman. Apparently, that woman's mom filed a complaint against Ken, against Ken 
she couldn't exactly say what it was about him, but she would feel better if police spoke to him. Ken is very charming and cooperative, so cops don't think anything of it. But when Angelo finds out, he's pissed and tells Ken they need to cool off. April 26, 1978, Ken is going on a ride-along in an officer's car saying he's always wanted to be on the force and even has the balls to ask the officer to drive him by some of the dump sites of the hillside strength. Yeah, this is what they got into a fight about in real life. Oh, my God. This is what really happened. That's incredible. I just didn't care. I want to fucking drink to that. That's my favorite part I, I just didn't think anybody cared. Yeah, no, that's what they fought about in real life. I love that so much. Next time we see Ken, he's working as Ted McIntyre, a psychologist. No, nothing about that. Okay. He stole the credentials. When he gets bored playing Dr. Ken, he decides to pay Angelo a visit. And, you know, he's in need of some real excitement. Angelo can see Ken's ego's getting too big for his britches. Tells him, you better never fucking show your face around here. Dang, Angelo. January 8th, 1979, the Hillside Strangler Task Force is shut down because it's been about a year Mm -hmm. since anything's happened. Ken is now in Washington. I had no idea why, but now we know. Yeah. He's working as a security guard. He's got a cool new mustache and a cool new, (laughs) like, stalker van. Yeah, all right. He bumps into a girl named Louise at a gas station that he seems to know i have i have no idea why he asks her to house sit for him and offers her a hundred dollars she shows up with a girlfriend and when they enter the house he acts all surprised like oh my power's off yeah they go down into the basement to check the fuse um just him and louise She is strangled from behind when her friend realizes it's taking too long. She's also attacked. Ken leaves the bodies on the side of the road while mumbling to himself like, fuck you. See, I don't need you, Angelo. I forgot about him being a security guard at the school. Oh, but that is how he like lured them in. And that is how um, they found him so quickly. Remember, I said, I can't remember what led cops to him. That's what led cops to him is because like the last time the girls were seen or one of the girls was seen was talking to him okay so the cops went and questioned him checked his id and then was like oh all right you're from la i see okay movie way to piece it all together for us january 12th 1979 ken arrives to his job where he is met by police and the officer that arrests him in the movie is played by real officer bob Grogan. He oh. is a legit guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's fun for Bob. Uh-huh. He got something out of all of his hard work. So movie Bob back in LA is getting the call about the new bodies in Washington. He recognizes the name and the driver's license and the fact that he lived by the basic vicinity of the victims and his cousin Angelo. It's it's a win-win for him, right? The psychic had also warned him to be on the lookout for two Italian brothers. So yeah. don't forget that, you guys. There's yeah. there's always the psychic. He's like, wait, I got one of the Italian brothers. I need a second <laughs> Italian brother. 
<laughs> so they go to talk to Angelo. <laughs> and Angelo does not act surprised when they tell him he's been that Ken's been arrested for murder. He's like, yeah, he's always a bad kid. The cops can tell he's trying to pin everything on Ken, but they think Angelo's the real brains of the operation, but they have nothing to incriminate him. Ken in jail is watching a talk show about multiple personality disorder, which he decides to use as his defense. Yep. Okay. This movie is pretty accurate. Well, police decide to use a hypnotist. Oh, boy. I mean, there is some stuff that's a little crazy. Just like they did with the Boston Strangler. Yeah. Episode 41 to bring out Ken's personalities, one of which is Ted who tells police he saw Angelo kill the girls and admits that Ken was there, but it wasn't his fault. Apparently, his acting skills are good enough to get him an insanity plea, but Bob ain't buying his bullshit and recognizes Ted as the same name he used when he was faking being a psychologist. Mm-hmm. Which, according to you, none of that fucking happened. It might have. Right. You saw how good of research I did. All of that could have happened. May 28th, 1976, we see a different hypnotist come in to question Ken. He agrees with police that Ken's full of shit. They offer Ken life with the possibility of parole. He pleads guilty to the murders of the two women in Washington and the stranglings in California, but he must testify against Angelo. Angelo's arrested, taken and questioning. May 26th, 1981, Police are still trying to piece enough evidence together to convict Angelo. All they have are the materials that link back to his shop and Ken's confession, but he's got zero credibility. Ken gets sent back to Washington to serve out his crime because according to the movie, the prison in Washington is way more harsh than California. And also that's where his fucking bodies are. So that's, yeah. Eventually, Angelo's case is in trial, and on December 14th, 1982, the jury of the trial is being taken to a dump site of the youngest victims in an attempt to prove that the killer had to be local. Mm-hmm. Um, they use a spotlight from helicopters to really point out the other dump sites that were very close nearby, like it was convenient for them. November 14th, 1983, the jury finds Angelo guilty of murder in the first degree and sentenced to life without parole. We see Angelo in prison and in type on the screen, it says in February of 1989, his appeal to court was denied. Ken also in his cell, it reads that he is working as a chaplain and has become a Seventh Day Adventist. Cool. What a fucking uh, great member to join the team. Sergeant Bob retires, but continues to date the victim that escaped. Thanks, Bob. And become a movie star. And for that, I mean, I hated the fucking movie so much. It was bad. But it's got... You said quite a bit. It right. sounds exactly right. So I'm going to give it a three. Wow. Because you wanted to give it a two before. I did. Interesting. I did. It's, whew, it's rough, guys. Detective Bob having an playing. In, OK. Detective Bob mm-hmm. seeing an actor play him in a movie was making me think like if someone were to make if someone were to make a movie about your life right now, who would you have play you? What actress would you pick? 
Christina Applegate. Yeah, great choice. She's older and salty. Yeah, and thin and blonde. That's a really good choice. I think I'm going to go with, I don't remember her name, but she is the um, brunette. Because first of all, I've always wanted big boobs because I don't have them. But she's the brunette with the big boobs from um, Two Girls. Yep. Max. I know exactly who you're talking about. Kat Dennings. Kat Dennings is yep. who I think I would choose. Because I watched Dollface on Hulu. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I feel like personality, I give off strong Kat Dennings vibes. <clears throat> and she's like a much hotter version of me. You know what I mean? We're fucking picking people and we got to pick. Yeah. So there we go. I love it. But isn't Christina Applegate's like way older than us than B? She's like in her early 40s. I just for me, like I already see myself like as. a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. So. No, that's good. I don't really think of any. Because I think. No, I think. But I think I think she's older than you're saying she is. Because you have to remember she was a teenager when we were little because she was on Married Uh, at first sight no married with children married with children and she was like a she was like a teenager mm-hmm. but it is a good choice right but then i just feel like kat dennings is too young to be in the movie with you because i have to be in there too kaylee cuckoo maybe yeah. hmm, something to think about i don't really like a lot of actresses my age yeah right yeah because you would be like if you were 20 years older like cameron diaz would be good and see, I forget about her because she's not acting anymore. No, but she's also way older than us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else is older? This movie. 17 <laughs> years to be exact. <laughs> wow. What a transition. We love to see it. <laughs> Rampage. Oh, OK. The Hillside Strangler Murders. 2006. Oh, my gosh. 2006. That's way after the crime. I think the first one was so accurate because it was so close to the, you know what I mean? They didn't wait hardly at all to make a whole fucking movie about them. I, where are you in your drink? Because this movie, yeah, this movie, we need a new drink. Oh shit. This movie. Whoo. Rampage. (laughs) (laughs) Um. We don't get a city view. Instead, we see lots of flashy light-up signs for, like, motels, bars, strip clubs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The camera's moving around all crazy, like, all over the place. Like, we're looking through the eyes of a drunk person that's fumbling down, like, a Vegas strip. Know it well. But it's not the Vegas strip. It's Hollywood. Yeah. Right? And from there... We go to a completely naked woman taking an evening dip in the pool somewhere in the Hollywood Hills, 1978. Inside the house, we got a swingers situation going on. All the women are taking off an article of clothing and placing it into a pillow case. And each of the men of the party pick it and whichever article it links up to. That's their fuck for the night. One of the girls at the party is Samantha Stone, played by Brittany Daniels. Oh, boy. Do you know who Brittany Daniels is? Stormy Daniels' sister. No. Damn. Brandy from Joe Dirt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a buffet of drugs going around. And the camera continues to go from this fucking weird stumbling angle that makes me sick to my stomach. Sam gets hooked up with a guy that isn't her boyfriend. They have sex. 
and then we're magically transported to the Hollywood strip where we see two men picking up a sex worker. Once in the front seat of the car, a man in the back seat strangles her from behind. And the next time we see her, she is naked and restrained on the basement floor with Angelo nudging her to wake up because he has a surprise for her. Ugh, so terrifying. They take turns torturing and raping her, and we see her being injected with household objects. Like, literally, what the fuck is wrong with people? Yeah. Why do you have to do this to other people? Mm-hmm. What is the point? You might wonder at this point, what's Sam up to? I was wondering that, actually. Right? She's waking up to her boyfriend, Jack, asking her, did you have a good time fucking my best friend last night? Like it's a casual conversation to have Mm -hmm. prior to coffee in the morning. Jack is played by Brett Roberts, and he may not have been in the Night Stalker movie that I talked about earlier with La Bamba. (laughs) But he is in a Night, Night Stalker movie. Yeah. Where he plays Richard Ramirez. And the person that wrote and directed that movie is the same person that wrote and directed this movie. So I just thought it was interesting. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. Something else you might find interesting. Sam is a doctor. A psychiatrist. Okay. <laughs> And she's being called in by police by her friend Julian, played by Lake Bell. I do know who that is. Mm-hmm. I know who she is, but I don't know why. Same. Yeah. But I know her name. Mm-hmm. Officer Bell informs Dr. Sam that police have brought Ken in for questioning related to the stranglings. Ken is played by Clifton Collins Jr. I recognize his name, too. He played Perry Smith in the movie Capote. Did I watch Capote? Nope. Nope. But we did cover (laughs) that whole case with the Clutter family murders on episode 43. Perfect. Mm -hmm. That's when I did the three looks. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Jillian has no evidence to keep Ken and hopes that Dr. Sam can work some magic, which basically means flatter flash her tits to get a confession because she walks in in the fucking sluttiest like low cut silky Mm -hmm. like nightgown dress I have ever Mm -hmm. seen before allowing Brittany to see Ken Jillian informs her of the severity of the case and how so far eight women have been found brutally tortured raped and strangled before dumped she's next introduced to Detective Bryant And Detective Smith. Detective Smith is played by Mike Haggerty. He's been in a ton of shit. I'm I'm like, why am I recognizing all these names? And I don't think I should. I think I'm just hallucinating. This one you will for sure recognize. (laughs) Not only because he was in Speed 2. Oh, my (laughs) God. No. For real? Cruise Control? Wow. He's Mr. Trigger from Friends. He's the maintenance guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. He also happens to be Ronnie O'Neill from 2009, Mr. Monk Goes on Wheels. (laughs) What's happening? (laughs) 
But unfortunately, he just recently passed away. Oh, R.I.P. But well, on April 29th. Listen, but thank you for being a part friends, of the Monk legacy. To and Monk, Monk, a fucking a legend. A, a le- legend. Mike, rest in peace, you king amongst men. <sighs> Sam is finally taken into the interrogation room where Ken sits handcuffed to the table. She's trying to play good cop, even though she's not a fucking cop. But she's like, you can trust me. I'm here for you. I want to help you. I'm not police. I'm a doctor. (laughs) She makes the mistake of telling Ken it's her job to decide if he's competent to stand trial. And this is when he figures out he might be able to play like a sympathy mental illness card. Mm hmm. He tells Sam that he's innocent and he believes a man named Steve is responsible for the killings. He got a call from his cousin one night needing help at his shop and that's where he met Steve and saw the dead girl. All of this is interrupted when Ken's lawyer stomps through the room stopping the questioning and with no evidence to tie him to the murders he's released but against his will. I'll add like he's he's acting like oh this Steve guy like he's gonna get me he'll know that I was here talking to you guys okay police then start to focus on Angelo we see officers raid his house that night and hear the next day that Jillian's telling Sam they found evidence to bring Angelo in but they don't reveal what the evidence is back at her house we see Sam's boyfriend dealing drugs in the living room And they flip the fuck out when they realize there's this guy wandering around her backyard and it's Ken looking for the nice doctor that wants to help him. Ken tells Sam he's being followed and not just by police and she lets him inside her fucking house. Oh, MG. Once inside, he starts asking about Angelo trying to figure out what they might have on him. She asks about their relationship and Ken describes Angelo as a very... physically and mentally abusive person the next day at the station ken's agreed to be questioned and even hypnotized by dr sam so i'm he had to have been hypnotized like i feel like if it's in both movies sure i don't know the bunnies and the and the hypnotism uh all of a sudden this is turning into a fucking david copperfield show for real Before they begin, Jillian informs Sam of Ken's past where he acted as a psychologist, faking his credentials. They even note his IQ and say he might be smart enough to fool us. While hypnotized, Sam asks Ken about Steve and Ken noticeably changes at the mention of the name. His language, his demeanor, he collapses as if he's fallen asleep or passed out. Jillian thinks he's faking, but Sam believes Ken, and again, he's released. Sam goes home that night and finds her boyfriend in bed with another woman, and she joins them. Hey! Also, right here in the Los Angeles Times, it, they're doing a um, an article about Dr. Martin Ornay, hypnosis mm-hmm. expert, um, who had passed away in... February 11th, 2000. And they're talking about how, yes, his expertise in hypnosis played a pivotal role in the 1981 trial of Kenneth 
Bianchi. I love it. So, yeah. There we go. There is a hypnotist and people were getting hypnotized. Crazy. It's crazy that I read multiple articles and I've heard multiple podcasts and nobody mentions the hypnotism. Well, I would have been hypnotized by all the tits and ass. Hey, from this hey, fucking hey, three-way hey, hey. that they spent like 10 minutes on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to next look up hypnot. I'm going to look up Hillside Strangler Bunny while you talk and see what <laughs> right, shows up. Yeah. The next morning, Sam is rudely awakened by the sounds of police sirens at her house and her friend Julian telling her to step outside. There's a dead girl outside her house at the end of the driveway, and it's the girl from the threesome. Oh, shit. So now Sam's boyfriend is being questioned by the cops, and Jillian's questioning Sam's risque lifestyle of sex and drugs with strangers. Sam gets question or calls in to question Angelo. They tell Angelo that it's Ken who ratted him out and says that he and Steve are responsible for everything. To which Angelo replies, Who the fuck is Steve? Jillian has pieced together enough evidence to leak, link Angelo to the first eight girls, but not the girl found outside Dr. Sam's house. They said the limited DNA found on the last victim's body was that of a non-secretor. Have you ever heard of that? Keep talking and I might have. Apparently, that's it's an, ringing a bell. It's an individual who doesn't release antigens that would determine which blood group they belong to. Yes. Yeah, I have. I've listened to enough true crime podcasts to have heard of this I before. I figured it's 15 to 20 percent of the population. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So even though there could be like saliva or cum, you can't determine yeah. who it belongs to. Yes, I did know that that existed. But we don't believe that that's actually true in the case of... Who knows? I don't even know about the hypnotist. But I did look up Pet Bunny and I got nothing. Okay. Sam is home alone that night when Ken breaks in looking like he's just been beat up. He tells her that it was Steve and that Steve will be coming for her next. Sam calls the cops, but then, you know, does the responsible thing of cleaning Ken's wounds and bandaging his cuts. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Ken starts acting all weird like he's back in the interrogation room and Sam's calling him Ken and he's like, who the fuck is Ken? So he's like playing into this whole role. He attempts to strangle her, but when she slaps him, Ken conveniently comes back like, oh, I don't I don't know what happened. Mm. Because of this, Sam has convinced herself that Ken has multiple personality disorder She tells police that he needs therapy and not the death penalty, but she needs to prove it to them and to herself and convinces police to allow her to hypnotize him one last time. We don't want to talk to Ken, though. We want to talk to Steve, who claims to be the brains behind the operation. And when we meet a new personality named Billy... He claims to have been present at the murders as well. Okay. Sam got what she needed because she knows Ken is faking. She's been playing her since day one. She could tell that he was never really hypnotized because this time around she placed like an imaginary chair by him. Right. So she like went by him and like pulled out 
like kind of like mimed the whole situation what would have been a chair mm-hmm. and he acknowledged like what are you doing she's like oh i'm just moving this chair so like because they talked about it had he been hypnotized that chair would have been real to him mm. but while they were talking he got up and started walking around and he walked through the chair so that and the fact that his multiple personalities had shared memories of being at the same place at the same and that's not first of all people think that that's a scam in general multiple personalities so i'm trying to think back on like all the movies i've seen how they work and i feel like it's always different well that's just it that's not the case they they each have their own life in the multiple personality, right? Whoever you're talking to has like their own set of memories, their own set of it. Right. But they, in the movies, they will know what whoever's in charge of had yeah. did. Mm-hmm. At least that's how it works on, um, right. Days of our lives or whatever I was watching. Anyways, because of all of this, they have enough to make the conclusion that Ken is in fact sane enough to s- on trial and then the movie ends wow with a close-up of dr samantha stone from behind looking out over an ocean could they have thought of a more fake name could they have named her anything else could they have thought of a better fucking movie that's a one that's like yeah that's a bad one that's so bad I was having a hard time even listening to you talk about it, it was so boring no that's like a negative one and none of it has anything to do with anything to, it, to do with anything i mean there was hypnosis apparently it's so bad <laughs> so yeah thanks guys thank thanks for hanging in with me the 2006 movie what piece of garbage yeah. just lots of tits and ass though so if you're looking for some soft yeah, but you could watch something way better with tits and ass. Uh-huh. You could watch Game of Thrones or something. Uh-huh. Something way better. Outlander. Uh-huh. Fantastic. That's what I got for you. One knife review. Yeah, so real, real low hitters this week. Hey, the other one was a three knifer. Uh, it did. It got an extra knife in there just for Especially keeping Especially compared straight. to this one. Oh, compared to this, right? Absolutely. All right. And both movies had a monk that reference, a monk. which is very exciting. Incredible. What are you doing for your look of the week? We have options. Yeah, I can see that. I was going to say. I like how you use all your works, printer ink. All the red is gone. Oh, fuck my work. So, you want to duct tape me? Uh, Sure, if I have I some. Ha- I have black. Yeah, but I don't want to put actual duct tape on your what? eyebrows, B. Well, you can put it below my eyebrows. Or just, like, very lightly. Or what if we just use something that looks like duct tape? Yeah, let's do it. I think it'll be fun. Let's, no, I'm let's... not duct taping your eyes. Just, no, real, real light. We don't okay. have to, like, press it. Okay, fine. Like, if we just press... Yeah, okay, that's fine. Yeah. Because I'm like, I'm not actually duct taping no. you, No. And then, like, ripping it off, it'll be fun. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. I shaved all the fluff off my face, too. So, yeah. like, we could rip it. I know. I just did mine last night. And it'll be a clean a clean rip. Otherwise, I brought Violet's... Um, rope? Jump, jump rope. rope. Yeah. Jump rope. Uh-huh. Because I'm like, I'm not even trying to make, like, anything inappropriate and offensive, like... Because a lot of the images was like of a noose. And I'm like, no, 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 no. no. They didn't even hang anybody. But the stranglers. I know. But I feel like you can strangle with any configuration. There's no need for it to be a noose. No, that's why I'm like, I'm just going to grab a fucking jump rope and just like. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, best to just play it safe and duct tape uh, your uh, eyebrows. uh, That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah, that's wild. I feel like the noose is so. It's 
unnecessary. It's only because of the the strangling term being thrown. In but there. again, I know you I strangle anybody with I, the, anything. I agree, and they did. Like you said, no one got strangled that way. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, to see pictures of bees, look of the week. For both episodes and some hidden looks of the week that we never posted, go to THC Podcast on Instagram. Yeah. Keep talking to me. We've gotten some really lovely reviews lately and five-star reviews, and I really appreciate it. Maybe we'll start doing the thing where we start naming them off um, again because we haven't done that in a long time, but that's not happening tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and we appreciate it. We appreciate all the love and support. We really do. It keeps us going, guys. Thank you. Yeah, even if it's just you guys for however long this lasts, it's fun. We appreciate it. Yeah. Gives us an excuse to hang out and drink. Oh, make our week better. Fuck out of here. We got to get the fuck out of here. We to walk through the rain, though. You that is pretty exciting, although I have to carry the laptop. We have a bag. No, it doesn't fit in there. It's too small. Well, then we'll walk quick. <laughs> I'm fun. not walking quick. That's a recipe for Either way, we're fucked. Disaster. So it's happening. All right. This is very exciting. Next episode, I believe. I don't know if it's our anniversary episode yet. No, it should be too early. So maybe the next one we'll do. Um, what was that one that we just looked up? M. M? Peter From Lore. Thirties. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. Oh no, it's the vampire movie. The yeah, it's the vampire of Dusseldorf. That's yeah. the actual killer. Mm-hmm. The movie's name it's is M. M. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll have our anniversary episode, which I'm, I'm pretty sure I know what we're doing. Okay. So pretty exciting. We'll see what happens. Woo! Hang in there with us. It's summertime, baby. Yeah. We're gonna get real loose. And on that note, we will see you you next time. time. Bye, everybody. We love you. Bye. Bye.